0: The San Diego Padres continue their trek of massive disappointment at every turn, losing to the Pittsburgh Pirates two out of three games in what felt like a must-win series. Recapping those games, talking a little bit about Fernando Tatis Jr. being in a bit of a slump, you know what I mean? What does that say about the team as a whole? And then, of course, trade deadline stuff. Are they smart enough to sell after losing to the Pirates? Can they make that decision? Because all the reports indicate otherwise. Let's talk about it. You are Locked On Padres, your daily San Diego Padres podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Greetings, ladies and gentlemen, and welcome to another edition of Locked On Padres Podcast, which is part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day for Thursday. July 27th. As always, I am your host with sometimes, occasionally, but certainly not always the most, Javier Reyes. You may be familiar with some of my work over at JustBaseball.com, where I've been writing a Blake Snell trade destination guide, a little uh, uh, Padres general trade deadline guide, which we'll be talking about a little bit today, and all sorts of stuff. I got some fun stuff planned for after that. Because after this deadline, I, it might be the end of the Padres season in a lot of ways. There might not be much more to talk about. You know what I mean? Like, it's... We'll have to see. We'll have to see. We'll talk about it. Also, um, follow me on Twitter at Javapeno, J-A-V-I-I-P-E-N-O, or at L-O underscore Padres. And thanks again for making Lockdown on Padres your first listen every day, free and available on all platforms. Oh boy, doctor. This episode's weird. Um, I don't know, like, the energy that I'm going to have for this episode, if we're being totally honest. Um, But even with that said, I still feel like I at least am living up to expectations for you listeners, you know? Unlike the Padres, who no matter what expectations you had for this team heading into the year, even if you were a hater, uh, even if you were a Dodgers fan, uh, I-, I was told my boy Jeff Snyder of Lockdown Dodgers was talking some smack. You know what I mean? Again, I don't know where the Dodgers fans get off thinking they could talk trash to basically literally anyone, but nonetheless. If you guys want to go leave a comment on his channel and tell him I said hi, go ahead. Um, we're recapping the games uh, on today's episode just a little bit. I don't want to focus too heavily on it because, to be honest with you, it's they're, they're games. I, I don't really think that there's much to say about the team as a whole. I actually think the most interesting thing about this series is when the fire almost got started, uh, folks. When we almost had ourselves a, a good old-fashioned, you know, just uh, beanball uh, kind of... Uh, um, series, I guess you could say. Um, but let's talk first about the one game, or I should say the last game of the series. The Padres lose to the Pirates 3-2. Um, yet again, it's it's very classic Padres. Again, they have not gone on a winning streak more than three games this year. They've only gotten one sweep, and it was against the Angels. After the Angels had Otani get hurt, and had Mike Trout get hurt, and had Anthony Rendon get hurt. I know the latter of those three isn't the most... Craziest thing these days, he's just not very good anymore. But even still, uh, it just shows you, like, given how much this team has been disappointing this year, I do think it says a lot that that was the one sweep they got, and it was one in which the top three players of the Angels got hurt. You know what I mean? Like, that says a lot about this team as a whole and how just massively underperforming they've been all year. Um, They lose this game, like I said, Wednesday, 3-2, potential to win the series, the rubber match, whatever you want to call it, and they, they blow it. They blow it. And it stinks because Seth Lugo is pretty solid. It's actually one of his better starts in a while. He only gives up two earned runs on three hits. Carlos Santana, for some reason, by the way. Uh, he, this wasn't off Lugo, but I don't know what's what's up with this guy. Dennis Lin put out a tweet that he's got like 12 home runs this year and five of them come against the Padres in six games. Like, just really ridiculous stuff uh, from our guy. But the big blow is here coming from G-Man Choi in the top of the first inning. Or second inning, I'm sorry. And then the top of the fourth inning from Brian Reynolds, who was formerly the bane of my existence as he was in trade rumors more often than you see, you know, Elon trending on Twitter. Like, it's ridiculous how much that guy was trending. Um, But the big thing to talk about here is Lugo was really solid. Again, he is very prone to giving up some hard hit contact. And his average, like, max exit velocity allowed is pretty bad. So he's going to give up some big hits. But thankfully, he only gave up those two big hits, like, individually. Because, uh, like I said, he only lasts two earned runs on three hits. He doesn't walk a single batter, and he struck out eight. Seth Lugo, again, in an alternate world where the Padres were good, I think we'd be talking more about this guy. We'd be talking more about him and Michael Waka as... I mean, I talk about Waka a lot because of Mr. Pac-Man here, Waka Waka. But um, I think we'd be talking about Lugo a lot more as, like, a, a pretty brilliant decision. By Padres front office to help full, you know, um, finish up the the back end of the rotation because he's been really solid this year for the most part. He's not breaking your mind or anything. Yeah, you could you could say that maybe he's getting a little bit lucky. Elite Padres defense behind him in terms of the infielders and outfielders, but nonetheless, he's still been really effective. And the strikeout, his fastball sometimes is awesome, like really really awesome. And I think that that's what is the least surprising thing. I'm just surprised also that he used to be a reliever and at the very minimum he gives the Padres volume. Sometimes that's all you can ask him from your fifth starter, right? And Lugo has delivered even more than that. You know what I'm saying? Like, he's been even better than that. He can get you some strikeouts, and he can put together some pretty great games sometimes. Is he going to struggle? Yeah. Is he a guy that you don't want to trust, you know, when you face a, a playoff-caliber team necessarily? Sure, but he can get good curve spin. He can get, um, you know, out of jams. He doesn't really walk batters all that much. He's just been really effective. Again, like, I just think that... um in general, uh, Lugo deserves a lot more credit for stepping up for this team. And to be honest with you, he's stepped up more than a lot of the other players on this team um, this year. Not all of them, but a, a good amount of them. And it's it's unfortunate because this Padres team, and I wrote this in my deadline um, sort of guide article, is that the thing that I hate the most about this is the Padres being good is, I, I know this sounds super biased, but I really do think that it's good for the sport if the Padres succeed, um, but they haven't. Right. Instead, people are going to once again use this as a you know, sign that you shouldn't go all in, that you shouldn't spend, that instead you just keep kicking the can down the road. You pull a Brewers, you pull a Guardians, whatever, pull a Rays, um, and then you never actually go for a winning at all. And it's it's really unfortunate because, you know, the Red Sox, for example, have been on fire lately. They just had a sweep against the Braves. They've you know, it's frustrating uh, to see that. I will remind everybody when you look at those teams I'm begging everyone to please, please, please tell me which one of those actually ends up winning the World Series. The answer is never, with the exception of Kansas City, right? Like, that type of strategy just usually doesn't work. Let's see how it plays out, though. I will say, I think the Red Sox are better than the Orioles. I don't know how to explain that, but I do think they're better. Um, I think that... Uh, Lugo deserves just so much credit for this season. Um, and I don't think I've given him enough credit on this podcast. You know what I mean? Like he's, he was a freaking reliever last year. Like he's been great. So shouts to him looking awesome. Four seam fastball was on point, And so was the curveball and sinker. Um, but unfortunately the Padres can't score against Johan. I believe it's Johan Oviedo uh, is how you pronounce the name. Six innings for him. Only one earned run. The Padres only getting three hits in what feels like a must win game um, in a lot of ways against this guy. And I say must-win game because it's just, at some point, this team, if they're allegedly going to buy, which there are indications that they are, then you need to start winning some series. And they just have no sense of urgency whatsoever when you watch them play. There was a a moment, I believe it was in game one of this series, when I saw Xander Bogart swing at a pitch that was down in the dirt, closer to the underminer from the Incredibles than it was closer to the plate. And it was like a give-up swing. Um, I'm not saying he gave up, but I'm just saying when you're watching these games... It just feels like if they go down early by two, game is over. If they're up by four, bullpen blows it. It's just really, really frustrating and much worse than the 2021 collapse. Because at least 2021, there was a high to begin with. This team, you can't collapse if there wasn't a perch from which to fall uh, to begin with. You know what I mean? That's this 2023 um, Padres team. And it sinks because this actual game, they showed more fight quotes, uh, than any game in the past few weeks. They actually almost, you know win the game um, and the end against David Bednar, probably the best closer in the National League with the exception of our guy, Josh Hader. He comes in, strikes out Manny Machado immediately, but then Xander Bogarts draws a walk. Luis Campisano, the Hive, manages to get on base with a single. I wish it was a a double or something like that. And then Jake Cronenworth gets hit by a pitch, takes one for the team, and then Juan Soto comes in to hit for Gary Sanchez. Now, I, I didn't check Padres' Twitter or anything like that into reactions. Some might say, why did they pinch hit for Gary instead of Colway? I Look, first of all, the fact that Taylor Colway is in a position like that shows you how lackluster this roster depth is, and that's the problem with, with the front office. Like, I'm not mad at Colway. He pops up on a terrible pitch, and it was annoying. All you had to do was put the ball somewhat in play, and we might have had a chance, and he doesn't. But I understand why they pinch it for gary sanchez because you want to make a you want to have an opportunity to have soto in the first place and gary sanchez does strike out a lot he could get overpowered very easily sure he could hit a home run it's possible but you know it's not like he has the best plate discipline i would have liked to see gary there but i understand why they said you know what let's give soto a bat opportunity because it's totally possible gary could hit into double play or he could hit into um whatever it's called, Uh, or he could strike out. So I understand them pinch hitting right there. They want to give Soto the chance. Bases loaded, one out, to potentially win the game. And he gets a walk. I mean, it looked like Bednar, in my opinion, uh, just by watching. It felt like he was losing him in the at-bat, couldn't get him to swing at stuff, so he decided, you know what, I'm just going to throw him a couple garbage pitches. Maybe I look out and this guy swings at something, grounds double play. Otherwise, I don't want to throw it to this guy because he's way too dangerous. He's not going to swing at bad pitches. I'd rather just face who ends up coming up next, Colway and then Trent Grisham, who strikes out, um, unfortunately. And Grisham is just, sometimes his bat to ball skills are atrocious. And again, like the rest of the Padres' teammates, uh, with the exception of guys like Soto and Tatis, um, horrid with runners in scoring position this year. It's been the story of the team. Uh, They've been just horrid in any sort of clutch situation. And it's hilarious that them almost coming back in this game is like the most fight they've shown all year. You know about the stat with the, the amount of times they've lost in extra innings? Everybody knows about that, right? Like, it's just, it's incredible. Like, it's it's impressive how bad this Padres team is in. Um, I really think that they've only had, like, one comeback win, and it was early on in the year with the Hasan Kim walk-off. Otherwise, I swear on everything, I think that's it. I do. I, I, I think that that's it. <laughs> like, it's, it's actually impressive. Again, it's a super impressive situation that we find ourselves in um, with this Padres team. Uh, just, just terrible stuff. Yeah, let me just check real quickly. Trent Grisham is yeah, hitting 227 with runners on. Uh, Matt Carpenter, 163. Xander Bogart's 202. Carterworth, 216. Just absolutely wild. Hassan Kim, while great, 219 with runners in scoring position. Probably why they moved him up in the order. So he's just so awesome as a leadoff hitter. But nonetheless, guys, that's it for the first game. But that is not all, obviously. We got to talk about the rest of the series, including the one win that the Padres did get. And when things got a little spicy. Oh, yeah. You didn't think I was going to talk about it? Come on. You thought I was going to talk about Perdomo and Manny? Oh, come on. Of course. Of course. But before we do that, ladies and gentlemen, you know, you know, when you like pick up your burgers and your hot dogs, you know, it's it's August. I know we're like we're or at least we're about to be in August. Maybe you're not doing your your cookouts anymore. But, you know, why would why would you want to like get cash back for getting all that stuff, you know, for your cookout? Well, guess what? Ibotta can help you out. It gives you cash back on hundreds of grocery items from produce to personal care to pantry goods so you can make sure you're beating inflation no matter what you're purchasing. Either link your loyalty account or upload your receipt after you shop and get your cash back. It's that easy. The average about a user earns about $120 per year. That cost could cover the entirety of a shopping trip. That's right. You're just getting bonus for something you're already doing. Why wouldn't you? Why would you try that? You could earn cash back on hundreds of online brands and retailers too when you start with Ibotta, including Lowe's, Macy's, Sephora, Best Buy, and more. Ooh, believe me, as a nerdy lad, uh, Best Buy sounds pretty good. You know what I mean? Maybe I purchase a couple of uh, DVDs. I want maybe get a video game or two just because I was buying groceries or whatever for the eighty-fifth time. Whatever it is, guys. Right now, Ibotta is offering our listeners five dollars just for trying Ibotta using the code uh, MLP. When you register, I'm so used to saying "lockdown MLB," but it's just MLB when you register. Just go to the App Store or Google Play Store, download the free Ibotta app, and use code MLB. That's Ibotta, I B O T T A, in the Google Play or App Store, and use code MLB. Go check it out. And we're back, ladies and gentlemen, here on the Lockdown Padres Podcast, where we spent a lot of time talking. About a Padres loss, but it was important to talk about. It really was. Um, I want to talk about really quickly Monday's game. Or was it Monday's game? Hold on one second. Let's talk really quickly about Monday's game because it wasn't the most interesting uh, of the bunch. The Padres lose this one 8-4. Quinton Priester comes in 5 and a third, 4 earned runs. Certainly a guy that the Padres should have hit, and they reasonably did. Uh, usually, usually the Padres come in and they stink against guys like this. Four runs in five innings isn't the most thrilling uh, result in the world, but nonetheless, uh, they still did hit him a little bit. But unfortunately, uh, the Pirates get to Yu Darvish big time. Four and a third gives up seven earned runs on eight hits, three walks, three Ks, the two home runs from Carlos Santana. Again, I don't know why, but this guy is just a Padres killer. He's the you know C.J. Crone um, of the what's it called the C.J. Crone of the Pirates. He just for some reason is only good against us. Um, unlike CJ Crone, I will say Carlos Santana had a really like he's an underrated player when you look at his overall kind of stats over the course of his career. Like he was a super walk guy, he hit for decent power. I remember having him in fantasy baseball like all the time. <laughs> uh, like he, he was amazing and he has an incredible walk rate and he's, he's been good for a lot of teams. So I'm not trying to dog the guy. This is not a nobody, right? Like 34.4 career baseball reference WAR. Like he's been an MVP candidate lately before. Again. Just a solid player. He's hitting 235 with 321 on base and 412 slugging. Nothing great, but let me tell you, I would take those numbers over, say, what the Padres have with some of their bench depth players, whether it be guys like ho Wei, no offense, he's young, whatever, or guys like Matt Carpenter and etc. But he kills us and killed us again. He killed us the last time we played them and it's unfortunate. It's really unfortunate because the Padres, like I said, were able to score a little bit. Bottom of the first inning, Ha-Sung Kim, who According to, if you subscribe to Baseball Reference in terms of their war marks, I prefer Fangraphs. That's what I use on this podcast. He leads all of baseball. Just outstanding stuff. I mean, Hassan Kim, on top of the elite defense, has taken a leap. Um, he's walking more this year, and he's hitting for a lot more power. His isolated power mark is great. His WRC Plus has gone up from 105 to 126. He has made improvements at the plate that I didn't expect. And I don't even think the Padres necessarily were, like, dying for you know what I mean? If in fact, if they just got you know Grisham and Cronenworth and especially Xander Bogarts and Manny Machado to step up, I think that this would have just been like a nice icing on the cake. But instead, he's been vital. Uh, Two seventy three, three sixty five, four forty five slash line. It's elite. Uh, he has been. Uh, like better than Trey Turner, for example. He's been better than Dansby Swanson. He's been better than Xander Bogaerts, obviously. Uh, he's just been excellent. The defense comboed with good speed. He's been getting caught a little bit uh, try to steal lately, but still, 19 stolen bases on the air, 14 home runs. He's a 2020 guy for all my fancy baseball heads out there, which is really great. And the amazing defense. Um, I did not expect this. I thought he could get better, like a 10. 10- what did he have? Like a 102 wRC plus last year, and then maybe boost that to being you know, 110 or something like that. Like, I thought that's what, what was going to happen, but instead he's now one of the most valuable players on the entire team because of its contract, because of the mutual option um, that I didn't realize we actually have him under control for a lot longer than I had thought. Now, we'll see how that all plans out. Mutual options are weird, but um, we'll have to see. We'll have to see. We'll have to see how that pans out. Unrestricted free agent much later from now. Hopefully they're able to keep him. And yeah, it is unfortunate that the guy that they chose to extend was Jake Cronenworth who has not been very good this year. He's worth like zero wins above replacement. He's been bad at first base, especially because first base uh, defensive value isn't added um, as much as, say, when he was a second baseman and utility guy. Um, so that's that's been really rough. And by the way, for the record, in terms of things I would have done, I wouldn't have extended either of them, particularly because of the moves they made this offseason. But if I was told which one to extend, and I'm not just saying this because Kim is good now, I would have said Kim. Because Cronenworth has been showing signs of getting worse. While Kim, my thing is, uh, first of all, he's also just a delight to watch. Makes me smile every time. So shouts to Hassan Kim. Um, don't want to focus on him too much because, you know, we're, we got to save that for next week. But um, also in this game, Luis Campizano comes through with an RBI. A double in the bottom of the sixth. The Hive, man. The Hive is strong. And it is incredible. And it is indicative of so many things that Austin Nola was starting as many games as he did. Gary came in, was immediately better, even behind the plate. And Campisano, finally back, only took him like three games to be better offensively than Austin Allo, once you actually gave him a chance. Um, again, but again, really rough. Padres only score four, two home runs from Kim and a double from Luis Campisano. Instead, the big bads, right? Like the big guys on the team, unable to get much done uh, for sure. The last game, though, is the most interesting. Not only because the Padres won, they won by a score of 5-1, for once decided to win behind Blake Snell, who gave not the best performance in the world. It wasn't his best. It really wasn't. Uh, six innings, one earned run on only two hits, but he did walk five. So it was a lot of... Look, if there's going to be any case for Snell getting worse, it will be that maybe teams will figure out you know, some of his repertoire stuff and decide, you know what, we're not going to hit him all that well, so just make, let him make the mistakes. Um, and eventually these walks are going to come back to bite him. It hasn't happened yet. Might happen for another team if they do elect to trade him at the deadline. But for now, hasn't been him yet. Uh, but that's a big thing with Snell. He's issuing a lot of free passes, uh, which is why he's not like the best pitcher in baseball. Because he does give up a lot of walks despite the strikeout rate. Right? But in this game, the Padres able to score enough, obviously 5-1 to one win, thanks to a Juan Soto boom shot. And a May Machado boom shot. Gary Sanchez even brings one in because we love St. Gary. And in the bottom of the eighth inning, St. Gary actually hits a home run as well, allowing Luis Camp- Campizano to score after Luis Campizano had hit a double. Yeah, you see this? They gave him a chance, guys. And I was on this for so long, and I feel so vindicated to see this man step up. You know what I mean? Absolutely love it. Love it so much. Um, but the more important thing in this game more important thing in this game, is that there was an incident involving Geraldo Perdomo. Hold on. Let me see if I can find it real quick. I'm sorry, not Geraldo Perdomo. That's the infielder. Angel Perdomo of the Pirates ends up getting suspended. After giving up the Juan Soto nuke bomb into the Shadow Realm, uh, Perdomo just absolutely drills Manny in the back. Like, I don't know where exactly in the back, how to describe it. Kind of like I don't know when you reach your elbow back and tap your back like there that area, um, just nails him right there. Manny looks at him all gangster like, just not even not, not even gangster like, but keeps looking at him. Benches get a little bit rowdy for a second, and then they end up tossing Perdomo, which is crazy. Um, only thing I have to say about this is obviously this stuff doesn't belong in the game. Longtime listeners show know that I hate unwritten rules. I hate what Hunter Strickland did to Bryce Harper a while ago. I hate what the Marlins did to Ronald Acuna a while ago with Jose Urania. I hate literally always how Madison Bumgarner acts when anyone shows any emotion or excitement for something that they accomplished. Not even in a disrespectful way, but a damn bat flip. And by the way, slight tangent, it's really embarrassing that the term bat flip is something that's viewed as like this rebellious act and it's like a buzzword to get fans excited for something crazy that someone did. Like, all they're doing is just going like this after they do something, right? Like, it's just so... I just think that that word actually carrying like like a connotation to it is embarrassing for the sport. If that makes any sense, I don't know if it does, but maybe I'm being a little bit too heady for you right now. But th- nonetheless, that's that's kind of how it feels. Um, Perdoma gets tossed immediately, and I think that it was deserved. I think that this stuff needs to be out of the sport. Um, I think it's ridiculous. I've often, and I've said it to actual pitchers that I know in my life, including stuff from high school and college, uh, that I just think pitchers are often the softest people in sports. Um, Next to just, in general, I'd say men being the softest people in the world, I'd say that specifically baseball pitchers, uh, number one spot, then men in general, uh, for softest people in the world. It's ridiculous. Um, And as Mudcat, Mr. Mark Grant, our god, mentioned, you don't like it, throw a better pitch, right? If Soto was looking at him and making some obscene gesture, you know, like some Reggie Miller's type stuff, you know, if anybody knows that back in the day versus the Knicks, like, I can't do it, we're a family-friendly podcast, but those type of things, you know, that that I understand. If you're like, this is ridiculous, or if you're defending players, or if you're defending, you know, or if you're Jose Tabata from a while ago when he intentionally got hit to ruin Max Scherzer's perfect game. But stuff like this, it's like, all he did was hit a home run, everyone's getting excited, this team needs stuff like that, and you just absolutely nail Manny Machado, you get someone hurt. And I think that it's really cool that it feels like baseball has genuinely moved past this. Like, this whole beanball unwritten rule thing the unwritten rule still still exists. there's still a lot of culture problems in baseball for sure i mean we literally have one team in the sport that refuses to let you have spa- um, facial hair so like that, that just shows you for and it's the most popular team in the new york yankees right so it still shows you there's still a lot of baseball cultural problems there's still issues all around you you saw what happened this year when people dared to just say like I don't know, care about pride in the slightest. And people made a big fuss of that. Shout out to Anthony Bash. Shout out to the Rays from last year, right? Like, there's still a lot of cultural problems and it's not a very welcoming sport to people who don't fit a very specific and, you know, mold without getting too deep into it. But it really feels like it's changing. It feels like they're saying, this is ridiculous. Get this out of the sport. We don't want our star players getting hurt this way either. And it's just flat out dumb. Make a better pitch. So I feel like ever since the Tatis uh, 3-0 thing, personally... It feels like it's been kind of out. I, I just don't see it anymore. Every Like, could you imagine if they had hit Shohei Otani for his bat flip last week? It would be an international incident. I'm not saying that just because of Japan. I'm saying everyone in the world would be mad at that guy. on <laughs> The Yankees or whoever it would have been uh, if they had drilled Otani because of that. Like, you know what I'm saying? Like, it's just ridiculous. And no one wants to see that anymore. Uh, it's just, it's dumb. It's a relic of the past. It belongs to the era of hot air balloons and or hot air blimps or... You know, the era of Roseanne, the era of MASH, just belongs back in the past. Get it out. And I'm glad they ejected him. And I feel like, I really feel like Tatis, ever since that kind of went viral and national media destroyed the Rangers and everything, it feels like that was one of the turning points, and it's great. So shouts to Tatis. Um, Also speaking of Tatis, he's been bad lately. Um, And I think it's worth talking about. Over the last month, specifically since June 27th, so even before July 4th, Fernando Tatis Jr. is slashing two fifty-seven with a two ninety-five on base and a three ninety slugging. That is good for a WRC Plus mark of 88. He's striking out a, a, a little bit much, 20.5%, at least a little bit more than maybe you would like, but more importantly, he's not drawing any walks. And that's the big thing with Tatis. Um, it's hard for me to get mad at Tatis at all. Let me be very clear. Um... The fact that he's coming back from the injury and the suspension, getting ridiculed and all that, changing to a new position in the outfield, he's still been excellent. He's still like a top 15 F4 player. He's still been great, especially the defense. He has shown up so, so big for this team that he deserves credit, right? Like, he's been great. The big thing with him is that he is not walking as much. His career on base percentage is 361. He has a 337 this year. His slugging percentage is fine. But he's been on the on the downturn lately. He's got a 128 WRC plus. was about 135 not too long ago, and he swings at everything. And I think that that's the biggest problem with Tatis. Um, he isn't patient. He swings at way too many pitches. Yesterday, almost tied the game um, with a home run to center field. Unfortunately, he thought he had it. He was looking down. You know, like he just needs to stop chasing every single pitch. 22nd percentile in chase rate and 31st percentile in whiff rate. That's the big thing with him. And it's not like that's been... What's the word? It's not like he's never been like that. He's always been an aggressive bat. He's going to strike out a decent amount. But it just felt like he was at least a little bit more selective. At least a little bit better. He was making better contact. He was hitting the ball a little bit harder, right? But unfortunately in 2023, that's just not hasn't been the case. And I think that there have been times when the Padres really desperately need to work the starting pitcher a little bit, and he just kind of swings at everything. So that's unfortunate. Again... He's been great. Outs above average, outfielder stuff, everything's been great. He still does hit the ball pretty well, um, but he is just unable to draw walks, um, I think, the way that he was in previous seasons. Um, His walk percentage was in the 81st percentile in 2021, his last full season. This year it's in the 41st percentile. Again, I'm okay with the chasing, but he also needs to learn how to take a walk or two, and that's been the big problem with his slump. He'll be back. He's eventually going to catch fire, but I'm just saying... If you don't want him to be this streaky, which is kind of what he's been a little bit this year, he's going to need to calm down on his plate approach a little bit. That's the big issue with him. But, hey, what do I know? I'm just an idiot hosting a podcast. Last thing I want to talk about really quickly, look, the fact that Tatis has gone into a slump right now, it's just a further reminder that every time you know you have Hasan Kim, who's been on fire, who's been a revelation for the team, you Know they've just un- been unable to fire on all cylinders. Forget the, I mean, just the win streak, they can't get a win streak going, they can't beat bad teams, they can't, you know, make any comeback wins, they give up pretty quickly. It seems, uh, the fact that you just it's like, oh, okay, maybe we have, let's say, uh, you know, Hassan Kim is blowing up and Luis Campizato's, um, you know, getting a chance again, and then Tatis goes on, on into a slump, right? They're just never firing on fo- all cylinders, and it's for all those reasons. Um, It's for the the lackluster bullpen that I was wrong about. I thought that the bullpen was very... It was good, but when you look at their stats in high-leverage situations, even when they had the third-best ERA in baseball, like, the fact that they were 16th in high-leverage situations um, when the bullpen was not giving up any runs shows you that the beginning of the season was them basically just cushioning the blow, right? If we're down by four, they would keep it at four for, like, the fourth to the ninth inning, right? Which is... it, It matters, but it just... It shows you that the bullpen needs some upgrades. And that's what I think they're going to do at the deadline. I think they're going to build around the edges. I know everybody's going to say they want Cody Bellinger. I don't think that that would work for the team because I also think Bellinger provides stuff defensively. And I just don't think that they have necessarily room for him right now, um, unless they want to just do a swap of Grisham for him. Uh, like, that's just not someone that I think is all that realistic, although he is one of the top bats on the market. You know, Heimer Condelario, same thing. He provides value defensively and he's a third baseman. And we have a certain someone at third base, so that isn't really an option. We're looking at guys like Randall Gritchick, um Joey Manassas, who at least can hit a little bit better against left-handed batters, and he's hitting 280, 350 on 330, 340 on base. Like it's not the worst in the world. Uh, you know what I mean? He doesn't slug all that well. He's not a great player, but hey, maybe against lefties you bring him up. You're at least getting something better than Colway and Carpenter or whoever the heck they've been bringing up this year. At least you have that, right? You know, you can go for someone like Randall Grichuk if the Rockies, for some reason, decide to sell to us, uh, which they never do. So, you know, you get my point. My point is, you know, Lane Thomas, you could bring him up. There's all sorts of players, but I just don't think that there's anyone um, that is, like, pertinent to acquire at this deadline. And I don't think that there's someone who's a star of Bellinger's level who makes sense and is someone that the Padres should invest in more importantly. Um, I don't think they should be giving up a lot of their assets to go trade for one of these guys. You just saw yesterday, the Angels aren't giving up. They're giving up a lot of their assets for a pitcher in Lucas Giolito. that I don't think is particularly all that great. I think he's okay. Maybe the Angels can figure out something with him. But they're, they're going for it. So Otani's off the market, which, to be honest with you, I'm a little thankful for. Uh, I, I just want that guy to like, I want the, every Padres fan roots for the Angels right now. Root for the Angels to make the playoffs and convince Shohei to stay. Why is it worse for baseball in the long run? Personally, I think so. I think that if it was in a different market, it would be electric. But you know why? Because I just don't want him coming to the West Coast, particularly the Dodgers or the Giants, right? Like, so root for the Angels to do great because maybe they'll convince him to stay. Anyway, that's what I'm telling everybody to do. Um, Another thing to root for if you're having trouble watching this Padres team, root for the Angels. Um... I just think that, yeah, and you can, and there's also some bullpen options. Justin Lawrence is out there, but again, he's on the Rockies. You've got Adbert Alzole, who might be like the third best closer uh, in the National League right now. He's been great for the Cubs. He could potentially be an option. I like Carl Edwards Jr. I like Kyle Finnegan. I like Jose Cezerno Cisner- uh, of the Detroit Tigers. I can't say his name properly. My apologies, Jose. Um, you can find relievers anywhere. And I think that you can find an average bat with a pulse nearly anywhere for basically nothing. And if the Padres are going to buy, that's what I want them to do. Because I don't want them to commit that much into this season. In fact, they should be selling. I don't think they're smart enough to do that based on early indications. I hope that they do. But the fact that they are deciding we need to keep Blake Snell and Josh Hader, two guys that you're probably not re-signing because you extended every other player on the planet um, this past offseason, and you brought on Xander Bogarts, just doesn't feel like there's room for them. Um, and I think that if you did decide to trade them, you could get a lot. I just mentioned Lucas Gilito. They gave up so much for him. And again, Giolito, he's a a, a release point guy, right? Like he's been a guy that has shown maybe if you tinker with some things, he can do better, right? From 2019 to 2021, he was very effective, um, in particular after he fixed his release point. Maybe the Angels will figure something out and he'll be great for them. But Blake Snell is much better as a rental, you know what I mean? And that tells me that they could get a whole lot, theoretically, if they were to trade him. They could get a whole lot for Josh Hader, theoretically. But I don't know if they're going to do that. And I will say that, honestly, the Angels trading for Lucas Giolito makes me feel like you you don't think that they maybe gave AJ Preller a call? Maybe they know he's not on the table, right? So, because it's not like this was a question of, oh, we just want to get Giolito because he costs less. He's not going to cost as many prospects. They gave up, like, their number two or number five prospects. Like, they they did give up stuff for a guy who's a little bit flawed. Um, and I know they got a reliever out of it, too, but I'm just saying, like, I just think that they're probably, you know, that, that AJ Peller isn't selling. If you're a believer in run differential, if you're a believer that the Padres at some point with this team, that just because of the talent, that they have to step up, right? Like just regression to mean, like Xander Bogart, stop being the worst qualified player with runners in scoring position out there, right? Like him and Manny have hit into more double plays than nearly any team, um, or any duo of players. So I, I totally get that, but I just don't see it. And I don't know if the Padres are smart enough to sell. Um, I wrote in the deadline guide as a joke: Hasan Kim would go for like a bajillion different assets right now. Like, probably would be the player you could get so much for because of the contract, because of the options, because of the you know the control that you would have over him, because of his you know um, breakout season that he's having. Juan Soto. Uh, if you're a subscriber to conspiracy theories, like I've said many times on this podcast, it's just kind of weird that they had all the money but they gave it to six guys. Instead of, you know, the guy that they traded their whole future for, right? Like, it's just really, really weird that they did that. with Suarez, Cronenworth, Darvish, Machado, Bogarts, right? Like, all those guys. Um, Just a little bit weird. Um, But they're probably keeping him because, you know, he is just so good, right? He's still one of the best bats in the game. Um, And while I think it's really weird uh, to trade your whole future for two years, two and a half years of a player... I just think it's a little weird to do that. C.J. Abrams has been doing a lot better. He's slashing over 300 um, over the last 30 days. He's been really, really good. He's looking better defensively. Took him some time, but he's young. And I just want to emphasize, if the Padres are able to get some prospects, um, I imagine that they're going to be looking for a deal that gives them prospects that are relatively ready right now. Uh, That way they can retool and potentially be ready for next year. That's what I think they would be doing if they traded Blake Snell or Josh Hader. I don't think they'd be trading guys who... They wouldn't be training for their own, another Ethan Salas type, a guy who's way off even if he has high upside, right? I don't think that's what they're doing. Um, and I just think that you look at kind of the landscape of baseball, Diamondbacks look better, Dodgers are better, J.D. Martinez is better than both Nelson Cruz and Carpenter combined, and those are the two guys that we decided to bring in, unfortunately. It's just I don't see it, and I don't know why they're not committing to selling. Uh, we're going to see what what happens. Something could happen by the time you guys listen to this podcast. I'm really excited to cover it for you, for sure. Uh, Definitely going to have recaps of the big trades that happen. Um, But we'll see, man. We'll see. I just... I don't see it with this team. They haven't shown anything. They have no... Guys, they haven't had, like, one comeback win. They haven't won one game in extra innings this year. And to be honest with you, even if... Oh, but if they made the playoffs, they'd be dangerous. Would they? Would they? Are we sure? I, I just don't. I don't see it now. Like, yeah, like I'd rather face you know the, the the Brewers instead of the Padres, right? Like that's a team that gets killed every year in the postseason, and Minnesota Twins, right? Like, yeah, I, on on that standpoint. But just in general, I don't see it. I don't see it, and I really wish that they would sell. But I fear that we might just lose Snell and Hater for nothing, and miss the playoffs. And oh boy, oh boy not a franchise killer but it is a real gut punch to their success going forward if they decide to go this route but we'll see again we'll see and again it doesn't really matter which bat or reliever that they try to acquire just get someone who's okay get me a slightly average player that's all we need really um in that DH spot because guys like Colway and guys like Carpenter should not be taking that many at-bats for this team but with that all being said, everybody, that about does it for today's edition of the Locked On Padres podcast, ending on a little bit of a depressing note, uh, just sharing my thoughts, ladies and gentlemen. Remember, you can follow me on Twitter at Javapeno, J-A-V-I-I-P-E-N-O, or at L-O underscore Padres. terms of the future of this podcast, tomorrow, Bryce Patrick of Locked On Rangers, he's coming on the show to talk. We're going to talk about big markets, small markets, trying, investing, the, the, the connection between AJ Preller and Texas. He just can't give up on his Texas roots. We're going to be talking about that. It's going to be a lot of fun. Really excited for it. And then, of course, next week, look forward to me recapping basically whatever happened at the deadline. I imagine we're going to get more stuff this weekend and should be fun. Again, looking forward to it. Until next time, though, stay safe and, of course, stay faithful, my very faithful homies. Take care.